This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. A new sermon series that we will be exploring throughout the month of October. And that sermon series is simply called Without You. And the idea, the design of the series is to help us explore stories from Scripture of individuals that may have had a more minor role or a role that we're not as familiar with uh, in the unfolding of God's story across time uh, in history. And so we'll be looking into places of people that may have uh, one, one line in all of Scripture or no words at all that are recorded in Scripture, as well as people that may uh, just have a mention here or there. And yet, uh, because of their presence, because of their openness to God and their obedience to God, have played a role in the unfolding uh, of God's love across history and time to bring us to today. The other, the other place we'll be looking is at stories of our own church, as we will share, share stories of, of people that some of you may know, uh, some of you may not know, that again have been part of God's unfolding uh, history, God's unfolding story uh, right here. Uh, each week we'll have a photo booth available in Crossroads where if you want to write a name, uh, just to say that this person uh, is part of my story, part of how we experience God in this place, uh, to thank them, to celebrate them, uh, to be part of that. Well, I actually had a chance this morning during between services, and I named some of our acolytes. Uh, these acolytes are, are some of our children that uh, faithfully each week, uh, through the simple act of bringing in the light, lighting candles and carrying it out, uh, remind us of God's presence and God's love in this place. And so there are people like that for each of us, I know, that without them, without you, without uh, people like our acolytes, uh, we would be incomplete because they're part of sharing God's love with us and helping us carry God's love uh, to the world. And so that is our desire throughout the month of October. Uh, also through the month of October, as we explore uh, the role these people play in the greater story of God, uh, we'll also be planning ahead for next year. And so each week we'll have a chance to talk about the ways uh, that as we invest financially in the life of this church, uh, where we see God moving, uh, how our gifts are making a difference, and how our plans for next year are made possible uh, because each one of us chooses to invest uh, in the life of this church. And so we'll have a chance and an invitation each week uh, to respond that way as well. Our hope and goal is that by the end of October, we'll have all of our estimates of giving in so we can pass the budget uh, by mid-November. And so I would encourage you to, to be part of that with us. And we'll have places throughout this month where if you have questions about process or how we do those things, uh, we'll share those as well, including right after worship uh, this morning. But this morning we're going to begin uh, by stepping into a story from Numbers uh, chapter 13. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open with me to Numbers 13. And in Numbers, we hear and are introduced uh, to a person named Caleb. Uh, Caleb is one of those stories that, that some of you may know, uh, many of you will not. Uh, Caleb plays a very minor role uh, as far as uh, the time and attention given to him uh, in Scripture but a very major role in how he is helping create an imagination for God's people uh, to look forward to the future. Uh, when we come to Numbers 13, uh, where we are in the story of Israel, is the Israelites have been recently freed uh, from 400 years of slavery uh, in Egypt. Uh, Moses led them out of Egypt, uh, they crossed the Red Sea, and they begin wandering in the wilderness. And by the time we get to chapter 13, we are only a few years uh, into them wandering. And they begin to look ahead, and they begin to ask questions about this 
promised land they have been promised. What does the promised land look like? What is it? What kind of food does it have? What kind of people are there? When will we enter this land? And so when we come to Numbers 13, uh, Moses is giving them instructions about how they will learn about the promised land across the Jordan River. So hear now this word from Numbers 13, uh, beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their ancestral tribes you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them leading men among the Israelites. And then he begins to name men from each of these tribes that are being identified as leaders. And we come to verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Caleb. Caleb is named as one of those leaders among the people of Judah. Uh, Judah is one of the 12 tribes of Israel, one of the 12 uh, sons of Jacob that build up the ancestral tribes, the, the ways that the people of Israel organized around families and around tribe. And at this point in Israel's history, Judah was just another tribe. Now, Judah would become very prominent. Uh, Judah would become important for our story as well as the Israelite story. Uh, Judah was the tribe where Jerusalem was. Uh, they were the ones that inhabited Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And so Judah was very important for those reasons. Uh, Judah was also the one out of which the King, king David would come. Uh, David, the, the king after God's own heart, the one who would uh, lead God's people and the one uh, through whom which we trace uh, Jesus back to is part of this greater story. And so Judah will be very important in history, but at this point, it's just one of the tribes. And Caleb is just one of the people, one that was respected enough uh, that his voice mattered, uh, but simply, again, one of 12 that would be sent into uh, this promised land uh, that would be trusted to bring back a story that would help them determine their future. This is what happens. This is verse 17. So we jump down to Numbers 13, verse 17. It says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And Moses said to them, Go up there into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they live in is good or bad, and whether the towns they live in are unwalled or fortified, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be bold and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now it was the season of the first ripe grapes. So Moses says to them, go into this land, this land across the Jordan River to Canaan, and figure out what's going on there. How are the lands? How are the homes? How are the, how, how are the people? Are they big or small? Are the, are the cities protected or not? Oh, and I love this in verse uh, 20 right there. And by the way, uh, it's grape season. So if you could bring back some grapes, that would be good as well. <laughs> so that's how Moses leaves them. And so they go, and they go into this land, and these 12 men uh, sneak into the land of Canaan across the Jordan River, and they began to look around. And they began to take note of what's happening there, this land that, that God has promised them, God has promised God's people. And in verse 27, they come back with their report. 
And they told him, We came to the land of whence you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit, i.e., here are the grapes. <laughs> Yet the people who live in the land are strong, and the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. So they go there. They see the people that are there. They start to name these people and, and how they experience them. In fact, I know as I read this and prepared for this week, I myself had to go and say, well, what does that mean? Who are these people? A few verses later, he describes some of them. This is in verse 33. When it says, There we saw the Nephilim. The Anakites come from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. The Nephilim, historically in Scripture, were uh, people that, that sort of sat between the angels and man. They were considered this race of God's creation that was bigger, uh, giants in the land. Uh, they were uh, very large and very close to God. They were offspring of God. And so these descendants of Anak uh, were considered descendants of Nephilim. And the way the Israelites, these spies, described them was by describing how they felt when they were close to them. They said, we felt like grasshoppers in their midst. Now, in my mind, I have this picture. The only thing I can imagine is Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, where Jack climbs up a beanstalk and he comes onto uh, a giant. And if you've seen some of the, the movie images of that, uh, Jack is sneaking around this house like an insect among giant. And that's what they felt like. They felt like they were insects among giants. And that's the story they tell. A story of a future that uh, was marked by people that were bigger than they were, that were scarier than they were. And while the land was great, uh, the walls were fortified, it was impenetrable. This was not a place, not a story, that they felt comfortable going quickly. They cast fear, doubt, uncertainty, they weren't so sure about the future that God had for them. In fact, in my own imagination, I, sometimes I think they came back and were saying things like, are you sure this is the land that God promised? Are you sure he didn't mean this land over here or this people over here? I mean, this would be okay, right? But they, they, count they cast doubt on God's vision through Moses for God's people. The majority of them told this story with the exception of a few. And one of those exceptions was Caleb. This is verse 30. It says, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. When we met with our pastors this week, uh, Pastor Brittany, who serves our fiesta community, said in Spanish, uh, the language is not that gentle. And she says in Spanish, when it says, Caleb quieted the people, it says, Caleb made the people shut up. And it says, shut up and listen to me. And he then told them that story that the land is good, that we are well able to overcome it. Caleb had faith in a future vision. Caleb had faith in the possibilities, and yet the people murmured against Caleb. They murmured against Moses and Aaron and said, we're not ready for this. Don't you hear the stories? Don't you hear the fear and the trembling? I think we have an image of Caleb, Steve. Just a picture of him with some of the grapes. <laughs> Caleb was one minority voice among many who said, we are well able to move into this future. 
I have hope in God's promise for our future. Caleb was a small, faithful voice that spoke spoke out against the murmuring of the crowds and the majority to point towards God's faithfulness for this new land. The other was a man named Joshua. Now we know a lot more about Joshua. There's a whole book in the Old Testament about Joshua and and Joshua's leadership. If we pick up the story in chapter 14, verse 6, we hear about how the two of them continue to speak to this truth. It says, And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, a son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the Israelites, The land that we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are no more than bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Uh, Verse 10, but the whole congregation threatened to stone them. When Caleb and Joshua spoke words of hope and trust in God to a people who were also hearing words of fear and division and doubt, the people did not want to believe them. The people revolted against them. The people rebelled against them and God. The people said, this is not God's path for us. And I think too often, if we're not careful, we experience this too in our lives, in the lives of our churches and our congregations where people have a vision for the future. They have a vision for what's possible, what God wants them to do. And yet there are many who sow seeds of doubt and fear and of, of hesitation. Like we, we should just stay here. In fact, as we move further into the story, we hear the people of Israel say, don't you remember Egypt? Like Egypt was really good. Like, don't you remember we were slaves in Egypt? Yeah, but we ate good food in Egypt. They didn't pay very well, but the food was good, right? And here is Caleb and Joshua saying, no, don't you remember God's promises? Don't you remember the God, the way that God has moved through us? Don't you remember God pointing us to a future, to a promise uh, that is possible? I will tell you that being part of this church uh, for almost 20 years now, my wife and I have been here uh, since 2002, so just over 16 years Uh, we are now part of a story that is almost 150 years old. And in that 150-year history, there have been plenty of moments where there have been people like Caleb who have had to stand up and say, uh, look toward the hope of the future. Look to what's possible. Uh, Look to what God has promised us and and have led uh, most often, or very often, in times where there has been resistance to invest in a kingdom movement that would extend beyond them. Uh, One of those people in this congregation is a man named Larry Jordan. Uh, Larry, some of you know Larry. If you've been around for a while, you know Larry's story and how long Larry has been here. Larry will tell you uh, he was born in this congregation. Uh, Now, he was born in a hospital, but he was very quickly here in the congregation. Uh, Larry grew up in this congregation. His daddy was part of this congregation. Their family was here, and we have baptized uh, multiple generations of his family here. And there were times when Larry was one of those Caleb's for us. And so we're going to watch a short video this morning of of a conversation we had with Larry uh, earlier this month uh, telling us that. Uh, I've actually had a chance to know Larry and Candy, uh, his wife, uh, since my wife and I started attending here uh, many years ago. And they have have been a people, a a couple, and a family who has always helped our church uh, look to who the church could be. Uh, One of the stories that Larry told 
that was not uh, shown on the video that you just watched was that one of the first uh, properties the church bought. So we were originally just on this corner. It was a little sanctuary on this corner. And one of the properties they, they bought as they began to dream about what was next was actually the, the site where our discipleship center currently sits. And if you know how our campus has grown and changed, that was actually the, the last building we built uh, as, as we were building and expanding. And it's a building that is used uh, primarily on Sunday mornings uh, to uh, help us invest in our children, uh, in our youth, uh, and in our neighbors, and our Spanish-speaking uh, community around us as well. And it's a beautiful thing to watch that that, that was not uh, in many imaginations. In fact, if you heard Larry uh, speak about it, he said at the time uh, there were many leaders uh, and that were saying that this is not who we need to be. We need to just stay uh, this little church on a corner, but this is there's no way we'll ever need that much space. There's no way we'll ever need that much, uh, many places to invest in discipleship and in ministry and in mission. And yet, uh, they had a vision for what was possible. Larry was one of those Caleb's that said, we believe God's calling us to something uh, greater, something that will pass on uh, from generation uh, to generation. And as we have watched the faithfulness of people like Larry and Candy and so many, uh, we have watched the way God continues uh, to create space for people to encounter God and sanctuaries like this one, a sanctuary that looked very different in 1970. Uh, sanctuaries uh, like our Christian Life Center where people gather to worship, like uh, all the classroom spaces where people gather to be discipled, to learn God's word together. And all the ways that we invest, not just internally, but externally for the world, uh, were made possible by these generations that see a future uh, that they believe God is calling us to, that God has promised. Uh, one of the ways that we do our budgets here as part of the life of the church is that our steering teams, our lay leadership, uh, work alongside, they actually lead it, and our pastors and staff support them in building a budget for next year. And they have built a budget for next year that is a 9.5% increase from year to year. Uh, last year, the budget was just around 2.2 million. Uh, this upcoming year, it's just over 2.4 million. And the, and the ask, the invitation that they're asking, that we're asking on their behalf, is for us to consider how we might continue to grow in our generosity uh, by adding people, but also growing on our own discipleship. And part of the, the purpose of this card is an invitation for us to consider that, uh, to prayerfully think through how we're investing not just in our life today, but investing in a life that will continue uh, to be a vehicle for discipleship for generations. Uh, for the month of October, we will again consider this. And by the end of October, my, my ask is that we'll have uh, those in uh, so that our leadership can continue to be faithful in planning a budget for next year, a place where we continue to invest uh, in, in our children, uh, in our youth, in our adults, in our senior adults, uh, and the children that we don't even know yet, the families that we don't even know yet, they're going to come and experience uh, the love of God uh, because of this church family. And so that's the invitation and challenge to you. Again, after worship this morning, if you have more specific questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And I know many of our lay leaders would, uh, would as well. But I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for a church who listened to voices like Caleb's, uh, voices like Larry's, uh, who watched the witness of people like Miss Jean uh, pave a way for us to continue to be a church that reaches all generations and share God's love across this community uh, and this world.